Part One of Book Nine of Laws by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Part One of Book Nine. Next, in the natural order of legislation, after the actions of which I have spoken, will come suits of law. Those which relate to agriculture have been already described, but the more important have not been described. Having mentioned them severally under their usual names, we will proceed to say what punishments are to be inflicted for each offence, and who are to be the judges of them. Cleinias, very good. Athenian stranger, there is a sense of disgrace in legislating, as we are about to do, for all the details of crime in a state which, as we say, is to be well regulated and will be perfectly adapted to the practice of virtue. To assume that in such a state there will arise some accomplice in crimes as great as any which are ever perpetrated in other states, and that we must legislate for him by anticipation, and threaten and make laws against him, if he should arise, in order to deter him, and punish his acts under the idea that he will arise, this, as I was saying, is in a manner disgraceful. But, seeing that we are not like the ancient legislators, who gave laws to demigods and sons of gods, being themselves, according to the popular belief, the offspring of the gods, and legislating for others, who were also the children of divine parents, whereas we are only men who are legislating for the sons of men, there is no uncharitableness in apprehending that some one of our citizens may be like a seed hardened by the ox's horn, and have a heart which cannot be softened any more than those seeds can be softened by fire. Among our citizens there may be those who cannot be subdued by all the strength of the laws, and for their sake, though an ungracious task, I will proclaim my first law about the robbing of temples, in case such a crime should ever be committed. I do not expect or imagine that any well-brought-up citizen will ever take the disorder, but their servants and strangers and stranger servants may attempt many crimes of this sort, and with a view to them especially, and yet not without a provident eye to the weakness of human nature generally, I will proclaim the law about robbers of temples and similar incurable or almost incurable criminals. Having already agreed that such enactments ought always to have a short prelude, we may speak to the criminal whom some tormenting desire by night and by day tempts to go and rob a temple, in words of admonition and exhortation. O oh, sir, we will say to him, the impulse which moves you to rob temples is not a malady of man, nor yet from heaven, but a sort of madness which is begotten in men from ancient and unexpiated crimes, the curse of which revolves in a cycle. Against this you must guard as well as you can, and how you are to guard I will explain to you. 
when any such thought comes into your mind, go and perform expiations. Go as a suppliant to the temples of the gods who avert evils. Go to the society of those who are called good men among you. Hear them tell, and yourself try to repeat after them, that every man should honour the noble and the just. Fly from the company of the wicked. Fly and turn not back and if thy disorder is lightened sensibly by the use of these remedies well and good but if not then acknowledge death to be nobler than life and depart hence these are the preludes which we sing to all those who have thoughts of unholy and treasonable actions and to him who obeys them the law has nothing more to say but to him who is disobedient when the prelude is over cry with a loud voice he who is taken in the act of robbing temples if he be a slave or stranger shall have his evil deed engraven on his face and hands and shall be beaten with as many stripes as may seem good to the judges and be cast naked beyond the borders of the land and if he suffers this punishment he will probably be corrected and improved for no penalty which is inflicted according to law is designed for evil but always makes him who suffers either better or not so bad and if any citizen be found doing anything of this sort i mean to say if he be guilty of any great and unmentionable wrong either in relation to the gods or his parents or the state let the judge deem him to be incurable remembering what an education and training he has had from youth upward and yet has not abstained from the greatest of crimes the penalty of death is to him the least of evils and others will be benefited by his example if he be dishonoured and dispatched beyond the borders of the land but let his children and family if they avoid the ways of their father have glory and let honourable mention be made of them as having nobly and manfully escaped out of evil into good none of them should have their goods confiscated to the state in which the lots ought always to continue the same and equal touching the exaction of penalties when a man appears to have done anything which deserves a fine he shall pay the fine if he have anything in excess of the lot which is assigned to him but more than that he shall not pay and with a view to exactness let the guardians of the law refer to the registers and inform the judges of the precise truth in order that none of the lots may go uncultivated for want of money and if any one seems to deserve a greater penalty unless some of his friends are willing to be surety for him and liberate him by becoming partners in the fine let him be imprisoned for a time and otherwise dishonoured and let no one be outlawed for any offence whatever nor be banished beyond the frontier but let him receive punishment death or bonds or blows or uncomfortable positions standing or posted at a temple on the borders of the land or let him pay money penalties as we said before 
in cases of death let the judges be the guardians of the law and a court selected according to merit from last year's magistrates but how the causes are to be introduced and the summonses and manner of proceeding and the like may be left to the younger generation of legislators to determine the manner of voting we must determine ourselves let the vote be given openly but before they come to the vote let the judges sit in order of seniority over against plaintiff and defendant and let all the citizens who can spare time hear and take a serious interest in listening to such causes first of all the plaintiff shall make one speech and then the defendant shall make another and after the speeches have been made the eldest judge shall begin to examine the parties and proceed to make a satisfactory inquiry into what has been said and after the oldest has spoken every one shall proceed in order to investigate what he would desire to have stated or not stated by either party he who has nothing more to ask shall pass over the examination to another and on so much of what has been said as is to the purpose they shall put the seals of all the judges with their signatures in writing and place the writings on the altar of hestia on the next day they shall meet again and in like manner put their questions and go through the cause and again set their seals upon the evidence and when they have three times done this and have had witnesses and evidence enough they shall each of them give a holy vote after promising by hestia that they will decide justly and truly to the utmost of their power and so they shall put an end to the suit next after what relates to the gods follows what relates to the dissolution of the state whoever by promoting a man to power enslaves the laws and subjects the city to factions using violence and stirring up sedition contrary to law him we will deem the greatest enemy of the whole state but he who takes no part in such proceedings and yet being the chief magistrate of the state knowing of them or not knowing of them by reason of cowardice does not interfere on behalf of his country such a one we must consider nearly as bad every man who is worth anything will inform the magistrates and bring the conspirator to trial for making a violent and illegal attempt to change the government the judges of the traitor shall be the same as of the robbers of temples and let the whole proceeding be carried on in the same way and the vote of the majority condemned to death but let there be a general rule that the disgrace and punishment of the father is not to be visited on the children except in the case of someone whose father grandfather and great-grandfather have successively undergone the penalty of death such persons the city shall send away with all their possessions reserving only and wholly their appointed lot to their original city and country and out of the citizens who have more than one son of not less than ten years of age they shall select ten 
whom their father or grandfather by the mother's or father's side shall appoint and let them send to delphi the names of those who obtained the lot and him whom the god appoints they shall establish as heir of the house which has failed and may he have better fortune than his predecessors cleinias very good athenian stranger once more let there be a third general law respecting the judges who are to give judgment and the manner of conducting suits against those who are tried on an accusation of treason and as concerning the remaining or departure of their descendants there shall be one law for all three for the traitor and the robber of temples and the subverter by violence of the laws of the state for a thief whether he steal much or little let there be one law and one punishment for all alike in the first place let him pay double the amount of the theft if he be convicted and if he has so much over and above the allotment if he have not he shall be bound until he pay the penalty or persuade him who has got the sentence against him to forgive him but if a person is convicted of a theft against the state then if he can persuade the city or if he will pay back twice the amount of the theft he shall be set free from his bonds cleinias what makes you say stranger that the theft is all one whether the thief has taken much or little and whether from sacred or secular places and these are not the only differences in thefts seeing then that they are of many kinds ought not the legislator to adapt himself to them and impose upon them entirely different penalties athenian stranger excellent i was running on too fast cleinias and you impinged upon me and brought me to my senses reminding me of what indeed had occurred to my mind already that legislation was never yet rightly worked out as i may say in passing to what am i referring that was not a bad image in which i likened the men for whom laws are now made to slaves who are doctored by slaves for of this you may be very sure that if one of those empirical physicians who practice medicine without science were to come upon the gentleman physician talking to his gentle patient and using the language almost of philosophy beginning at the beginning of the disease and discoursing about the whole nature of the body he would burst into a hearty laugh he would say what most of those who are called doctors always have at their tongue's end foolish fellow he would say you are not healing the sick man but you are educating him and he does not want to be made a doctor but to get well cleinias and would he not be right in saying that athenian stranger perhaps he would and he might remark upon us that he who discourses about laws as we are now doing is giving the citizens education and not laws that would be rather a telling observation cleinias very true athenian stranger but we are fortunate cleinias 
in what way athenian stranger inasmuch as we are not compelled to give laws but we may take into consideration every form of government and ascertain what is best and what is most needful and how they may both be carried into execution and we may also if we please choose what is best or if we prefer what is most necessary which shall we do cleinias there is something ridiculous stranger in our proposing such an alternative as if we were legislators simply bound under some great necessity which cannot be deferred to the morrow but we as i may by the grace of heaven affirm like gatherers of stones or beginners of some composite work may collect a heap of materials and afterwards at our leisure select what is suitable for our intended construction let us then suppose ourselves to be at leisure not of necessity building but rather like men who are partly providing materials and partly putting them together and we may truly say that some of our laws like stones are already fixed in their places and others lie about provisionally and are put by athenian stranger certainly in that case cleinias our view of law will be more in accordance with nature for there is another matter affecting legislators which i must earnestly entreat you to consider cleinias what is that athenian stranger diverse other persons and not legislators only have composed writings and speeches cleinias to be sure athenian stranger shall we give heed rather to the writings of those others poets and the like who either in metre or out of metre have recorded their own notes of life and not to the writings of legislators or shall we give heed to them above all cleinias yes to them above all others athenian stranger and of those who write about the beautiful the good and the just ought any one but the legislator to advise concerning them and to teach what they are and how they are to be pursued by those who intend to be happy cleinias certainly not athenian stranger and is it more disgraceful for homer and tertius and other poets to lay down evil precepts in their writings respecting life and the pursuits of men but not so disgraceful for lycurgus and solon and others who were legislators as well as writers of all the writings which there are in cities are not those which relate to laws when you unfold them found to be by far the noblest and the best and do not other writings either agree with them or if they disagree are they not ridiculous we should consider whether the laws of states ought to appear in the character of loving and wise parents or of tyrants and masters who command and threaten and after writing their decrees on walls go their ways and whether in discoursing of laws we shall regard them as parents a view which may or may not be attainable but 
to which we at any rate will show our readiness to give effect and be prepared to undergo whatever may be the result and may the result be good and by the favour of heaven it shall be good cleinias excellent and let us do as you say athenian stranger then we will now consider accurately as we proposed what relates to robbers of temples and all kinds of thefts and offences in general and we must not be annoyed if in the course of legislation we have enacted some things and have not made up our minds about some others for as yet we are not legislators but are only preparing to be legislators in which attempt we hope to succeed let us then as i propose consider these matters if you do not object cleinias by all means athenian stranger concerning all principles of honour and justice let us endeavour to ascertain how far we are consistent with ourselves and how far we are inconsistent acknowledging indeed that our aim is to contradict the majority and we may note how far the many are inconsistent with one another cleinias what are the inconsistencies which you observe in us athenian stranger i will endeavour to explain if i am not mistaken we are agreed that justice and just men and things and actions are all fair so that if a person were to maintain that just men even when they are deformed in body are still perfectly beautiful in respect of the excellent justice of their minds no one would say that there was any inconsistency in this cleinias they would be quite right athenian stranger perhaps but let us consider further that even if all things which are just are fair and honourable there are always passive states deemed by us to be equivalent to the active ones cleinias and what is the inference from that athenian stranger the inference is that a just action in partaking of the just partakes also in the same degree of the fair and honourable cleinias certainly athenian stranger and must not a suffering which partakes of the just principle be admitted to be in the same degree fair and honourable if the argument is consistently carried out cleinias true athenian stranger but if we admit suffering to be just and yet dishonourable and the term dishonourable is applied to justice then the just and the honourable will disagree cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger a thing not difficult to understand the laws which have been already enacted would seem to announce principles directly opposed to what we are saying cleinias to what athenian stranger we were saying if i am not mistaken that the robber of temples and he who was the enemy of law and order might justly be put to death and we were proceeding to make diverse other enactments of a similar nature but we refrained 
because we saw that these inflictions of sufferings are infinite in number and degree and are at once the most just and also the most dishonourable of all sufferings and if this is true are not the just and the honourable at one time all the same and at another time in the most diametrical opposition cleinias that appears to be the case athenian stranger in this discordant and inconsistent fashion does the language of the many rend asunder the honourable and just cleinias that stranger appears to be true athenian stranger then now cleinias let us see how far we are consistent about these matters cleinias consistent in what athenian stranger i think that i have clearly stated in the former part of the discussion but if i did not let me now state cleinias what athenian stranger that all bad men are always involuntarily bad and if this is true that i must proceed to make a further inference cleinias what is that athenian stranger that the unjust man may be bad but that he is bad against his will now that an action which is done involuntarily should be voluntary is a contradiction wherefore he who maintains that injustice is involuntary will deem that the evil-doer does evil involuntarily that i too must now admit for i say that all men do evil involuntarily and if any one from motives of strife or party says that there are men who are evil-doers against their will and yet that many do evil willingly i certainly cannot agree with him but then how can i avoid being inconsistent with myself if you cleinias and you megalos say to me well stranger and how about legislating for the city of the magnetes shall we legislate or not what do you advise certainly we will i should reply then will you determine for them what are voluntary and what are involuntary crimes and shall we make the punishments greater of voluntary errors and crimes and less for the involuntary or shall we make the punishment of all to be alike under the idea that there is no such thing as voluntary crime cleinias very good stranger and what shall we say in answer to these objections athenian stranger that is a very fair question in the first place let us cleinias do what athenian stranger let us remember what has been well said by us already that our ideas of justice were in the highest degree confused and inconsistent bearing this in mind let us proceed to ask ourselves once more whether we have discovered a way out of the difficulty have we ever determined in what respect these two classes of actions differ from one another for in all states and by all legislators whatsoever two kinds of actions have been distinguished the one voluntary the other involuntary and 
they have legislated about them accordingly but shall this new word of ours like an oracle of god be only spoken and have no explanation or verification how can a word not understood be the basis of legislation that is impossible before proceeding to legislate then we must prove that they are two and what is the difference between them that when we impose the penalty upon either every one may understand our proposal and be able in some way to judge whether the penalty is fitly or unfitly enacted cleinias i agree with you stranger for one of two things is certain either we must not say that all crimes are involuntary or we must show the meaning and truth of this statement athenian stranger of these two alternatives the one is quite intolerable not to speak what i know to be the truth would be to me unlawful and unholy but if they do not differ as voluntary and involuntary i must endeavour to find some other distinction in them cleinias very true stranger that is the only way in which the matter can be considered by us athenian stranger reflect then there are hurts of various kinds done by the citizens to one another in the intercourse of life affording plentiful examples both of the voluntary and involuntary cleinias certainly athenian stranger i would not have any one suppose that all these hurts are injuries and that injuries are of two kinds one voluntary and the other involuntary for the involuntary hurts are quite as many and as great as the voluntary and please to consider whether i am right or not in what i am going to say for i deny cleinias and megalos that he who harms another involuntarily does him an injury involuntarily nor should i legislate about such an act under the idea that i am legislating for an involuntary injury but i should rather say that such a hurt whether great or small is not an injury at all and on the other hand if i am right when a benefit is wrongly conferred the author of the benefit may often be said to injure for i maintain o my friends that the mere giving or taking away of anything is not to be described either as just or unjust but the legislator has to consider whether any one does good or harm to another out of a just principle and intention on the distinction between injustice and hurt he must fix his eye and when there is hurt he must as far as he can make the hurt good by law and save that which is ruined and raise up that which is fallen and make that which is dead or wounded whole and when compensation is given the law must always seek to win over the doers and sufferers of the several hurts from feelings of enmity to those of friendship cleinias that is good athenian stranger then as to unjust hurts or gains 
supposing that some one by doing wrong causes a gain to another of these we may heal as many as are capable of being healed regarding them as diseases of the soul and the cure of injustice will take the following direction cleinias what direction athenian stranger when any one commits any injustice small or great the law will admonish and compel him either never at all to do the like again or never voluntarily or at any rate in a far less degree and he must in addition pay for the hurt whether the end is to be attained by word or action with pleasure or pain by giving or taking away privileges by means of penalties or gifts or in whatsoever way the law shall make a man hate injustice and love or not hate the nature of the just this is the noblest work of law but if the legislator sees any one who is incurable for him he will make a law and fix a penalty he knows quite well that to such men themselves there is no profit in the continuance of their lives and that they would do a double good to the rest of mankind if they would take their departure inasmuch as they would be an example to other men not to offend and they would relieve the city of bad citizens in such cases and in such cases only the legislator ought to inflict death as the punishment of offences cleinias what you have said appears to me to be very reasonable but will you favour me by stating a little more clearly the difference between hurt and injustice and the various complications of the involuntary and voluntary which arise in these cases athenian stranger i will endeavour to comply with your request concerning the soul thus much would be generally said and allowed that one element in her nature is passion which may be described either as a state or a part of the soul and is hard to be striven against and contended with and by irrational force overturns many things cleinias very true athenian stranger and pleasure is not the same with passion but has an opposite power working by persuasion and by the force of deceit in all things cleinias quite true athenian stranger a man may truly say that ignorance is a third cause of crimes ignorance however may be conveniently divided by the legislator into two sorts there is simple ignorance which is the source of lighter offences and double ignorance which is accompanied by conceit of wisdom and he who is under the influence of the latter fancies that he knows all about matters of which he knows nothing this second kind of ignorance when possessed of power and strength will be held by the legislator to be the source of great and monstrous crimes but when attended with weakness will only result in the errors of children and old men and these he will treat as errors and will make laws accordingly for those who commit them which will be the mildest and most merciful of all laws cleinias that is reasonable 
athenian stranger we all of us remark of one man that he is superior to pleasure and passion and of another that he is inferior to them and this is true cleinias quite true athenian stranger but no one was ever yet heard to say that one of us is superior and the other inferior to ignorance cleinias very true athenian stranger all these are motives of which we say that they incite men to the fulfilment of their will although they may often contend one with another and draw an individual in opposite directions at the same time cleinias that is very often the case athenian stranger and now i can define to you clearly and without ambiguity what i mean by the just and unjust according to my notion of them when anger and fear and pleasure and pain and jealousies and desires tyrannize over the soul whether they do any harm or not i call them all injustice but when the opinion of the best whatever may be the supposed relation of the best to them in states or individuals gets the upper hand and orders the souls of individuals even though sometimes in error yet what is done in accordance therewith and the principle in individuals which obeys this rule and is best for the whole life of man is to be called just although the action done in error is thought by the multitude to be involuntary injustice leaving the question of names about which we are not going to quarrel and having already delineated three sorts of errors we may begin by recalling them somewhat more vividly to our memory one kind was of the painful sort which we denominate anger and fear cleinias quite right athenian stranger there was a second class of pleasures and desires and a third class of hopes which aimed at true opinion about the best this latter being further subdivided into three there arise five kinds of actions and for these five kinds we will make laws of two kinds cleinias what are the five kinds of which you are speaking athenian stranger there is the kind of actions done by violence and in the light of day and another kind of actions which are done in darkness and with secret deceit or sometimes both with violence and deceit the laws concerning these last ought to have a character of severity cleinias naturally athenian stranger and now let us return from this digression and complete the work of legislation laws have been already enacted by us concerning the robbers of the gods and concerning traitors and also concerning those who corrupt the laws for the purpose of subverting the government a man may very likely commit some of these crimes either in a state of madness or when affected by disease or under the influence of extreme old age or in a fit of childish wantonness himself no better than a child 
and if this be made evident to one of the judges elected to try the cause on the appeal of the criminal or his advocate and he be judged to have been in this state when he committed the offence he shall simply pay for the hurt which he may have done to another but he shall be exempt from other penalties unless he have slain some one and have on his hands the stain of blood and in that case he shall go to another land and country and there dwell for a year and if he return before the expiration of the time which the law appoints or even set his foot at all on his native land he shall be bound by the guardians of the law as a public prisoner for two years and then go free having begun to speak of homicide let us endeavour to lay down laws concerning every different kind of homicide and first of all concerning violent and involuntary homicides if any one in an athletic contest and at the public games involuntarily kills a friend and he dies either at the time or afterwards of the blows which he has received or if the like misfortune happen to any one in war or military exercises or mimic contests of which the rulers enjoin the practice whether with or without arms when he has been purified according to the law brought from delphi relating to these matters he shall be innocent and so in the case of physicians if their patient die against their will they shall be held guiltless by the law and if one slay another with his own hand but unintentionally whether he be unarmed or have some instrument or dart in his hand or if he kill him by giving him food or drink or by the application of fire or cold or by suffocating him whether he do the deed by his own hand or by the agency of others he shall be regarded as the agent and shall suffer the following penalties if he kill a slave thinking that he is his own he shall bear the master of the dead man harmless from loss or shall pay a penalty of twice the value of the dead man and the judges shall assess the value of the slave but they must use purifications greater and more than in the case of those who committed homicide at the games what they are to be the interpreters whom the god appoints shall be authorized to declare and if a man kills his own slave when he has been purified according to law he shall be quit of the homicide and if a man kills a free man unintentionally he shall undergo the same purification as he did who killed the slave but let him not forget also a tale of the olden time which is to this effect he who has suffered a violent end if he has had the soul of a free man in life is when newly dead angry with the author of his death and being himself full of fear and panic by reason of his violent death when he sees his murderer walking about in his own accustomed haunts he is said to become disordered which disorder of his aided by the guilty recollection of the other is communicated by him with overwhelming force to the murderer and his deeds wherefore he must get out of the way of the sufferer for the entire period of a year 
and must not be found in any of the places that belong to him in the whole country and if the dead man be a stranger he shall abstain from the whole country of the stranger during a like period if any one voluntarily obey this law the next of kin to the deceased seeing all that has happened shall take pity on him and make peace with him and deal with him as he ought but if any one is disobedient and either ventures to go to any of the temples and sacrifice unpurified or will not continue in exile during the appointed time the next of kin to the deceased shall proceed against him for murder and if he be convicted every part of his punishment shall be doubled and if the next of kin do not proceed against the perpetrator of the crime then the pollution shall be deemed to fall upon his own head the sufferer shall call for vengeance upon him and he who has a mind to proceed against him may compel him to be absent from his country during five years according to law if a stranger involuntarily kill a stranger who is dwelling in the city he who likes shall prosecute the cause according to the same rules if he be a metic let him be absent for a year or if he be an entire stranger in addition to the purification whether he slay a stranger or a metic or a citizen he shall be banished for life from the country which is under the dominion of our laws and if he return contrary to law let the guardians of the law punish him with death and let them hand over his property if he have any to him who is next of kin to the sufferer and if he be wrecked and driven on the coast against his will he shall take up his abode on the seashore wetting his feet in the sea and watching for an opportunity of sailing but if he be brought by land and is not his own master let the magistrate whom he first comes across in the city release him and send him unharmed over the border if any one slays a free man with his own hand and the deed be done in passion in the case of such actions we must begin by making a distinction for a deed is done from passion either when men suddenly and without intention to kill cause the death of another by blows and the like on a momentary impulse and are sorry for the deed immediately afterwards or again when after having been insulted in deed or word men pursue revenge and kill a person intentionally and are not sorry for their deed and therefore we must assume that there are two kinds of homicide both of them arising from passion which may be justly said to be in a mean between the voluntary and involuntary at the same time they are neither of them anything more than a likeness or shadow of either he who treasures up his anger and avenges himself not immediately and at the moment but with insidious design and after an interval is like the voluntary but he who does not treasure up his anger and takes vengeance on the instant and without malice prepense approaches to the involuntary and yet even he is not altogether involuntary but is only the image or shadow of the involuntary 
Wherefore, about homicides committed in hot blood, there is a difficulty in determining whether in legislating we shall reckon them as voluntary or as partly involuntary. The best and truest view is to regard either as a likeness only of the voluntary or involuntary. We may, however, divide them accordingly as they are done, with or without premeditation. And we may make the penalties heavier for those who commit homicide with angry premeditation, and lighter for those who do not premeditate, but smite upon the instant. For that which is like a greater evil should be punished more severely, and that which is like a less evil should be punished less severely. This shall be the rule of our laws. Cleinias. Certainly. Athenian stranger. Let us proceed. If any one slays a free man with his own hand, and the deed be done in a moment of anger, and without premeditation, let the offender suffer in other respects as the involuntary homicide would have suffered, undergoing an exile of two years, that he may learn to school his passions. But he who slays another from passion, yet with premeditation, shall undergo the same penalty as the former, and to this shall be added an exile of three instead of two years. His punishment is to be longer, because his passion is greater. The manner of their return shall be on this wise, and here the law has difficulty in determining exactly, for in some cases the murder which is judged by the law to be worse may really be the less cruel, and he who is judged the less cruel may be really the worse, and may have executed the murder in a more savage manner, whereas the other may have been gentler. But in general the degrees of guilt will be such as we have described them. Of all these things the guardians of the law must take cognizance. When either of them has completed his term of exile, they shall send twelve judges to the borders of the land. These, in the interval, shall have been informed of the actions of the criminals, and they shall judge respecting their pardon and reception, and the homicides shall abide by their judgment. But if after they have returned home, either of them in a moment of anger repeats the deed, let him be in exile and return no more, or if he return, let him suffer as the stranger who was to suffer in a similar case. He who kills his own slave shall undergo a purification, but if he kills the slave of another in anger, he shall pay twice the amount of the loss to his owner. And if a homicide is disobedient to the law, and without purification pollutes the agora, or the games, or the temples, he who pleases may bring to trial the next of kin to the dead man for permitting him and the murderer with him, and may compel the one to exact and the other to suffer a double portion of fines and purifications, and the accuser may himself receive the fine which is imposed by law. If a slave in a fit of passion kills his master, the kindred of the deceased man may do with the murderer, provided only they do not spare his life, whatever they please, and they will be pure. Or, 
if he kills a free man who is not his master, the owners shall give up the slave to the relatives of the deceased, and they shall be under an obligation to put him to death. But this may be done in any manner which they please. And if, which is a rare occurrence, but does sometimes happen, a father or a mother, in a moment of passion, slay a son or daughter by blows, or some other violence, they shall undergo the same purification as in other cases, and be exiled during three years. But when they return from exile, the wife shall separate from the husband, and the husband from the wife, and they shall never afterwards beget children together, or live under the same roof, or partake of the same sacred rites with those whom they have deprived of a child or of a brother. And he who is impious and disobedient in such a case shall be brought to trial for impiety by any one who pleases. If, in a fit of anger, a husband kills his wife, or the wife her husband, they shall undergo the same purification, and their term of exile shall be three years. And when he who has committed any such crime returns, let him have no communion in sacred rites with his children, neither let him sit at the same table with them, and the father or son who disobeys shall be liable to be brought to trial for impiety by any one who pleases. If a brother or sister, in a fit of passion, kills a brother or a sister, they shall undergo a purification and a year's exile, as was the case with parents who kill their offspring. They shall not come under the same roof, or share in the sacred rites of those whom they have deprived of their brethren, or of their children. And he who is disobedient shall be justly liable to the law concerning impiety which relates to these matters. If any one is so violent in his passion against his parents, that in the madness of his anger he dares to kill one of them, if the dead man, when dying, of his own accord acquits the murderer, let him undergo the purification, which is assigned to those who have been guilty of involuntary homicide, and do as they do, and he shall be pure. But if he be not acquitted, the perpetrator of such a deed shall be amenable to many laws, for he shall be amenable to the extreme punishments for assault, and impiety, and robbing of temples, in that he has robbed his parent of life, and if a man could be slain more than once, most justly would he, who, in a fit of passion, has slain father or mother, undergo many deaths. How can he, whom even in defence of his life, and when about to suffer death at the hands of his parents, no law will allow to kill his father or his mother, who are the authors of his being, and whom the legislator will command to endure any extremity rather than this, how can he, I say, lawfully receive any other punishment? Let death, then, be the appointed punishment of him who, in a fit of passion, slays his father or his mother. But if brother kill brother in a civil broil, or under other like circumstances, if the other have begun, and he only defend himself, let him be free from guilt, 
as he would be if he had slain an enemy and if a citizen kill a citizen or a stranger a stranger or if a stranger kill a citizen or a citizen a stranger let him be free from guilt in like manner and so in the case of a slave who has killed a slave but if a slave have killed a free man in self-defence let him be subject to the same law as he who has killed a father and let the law about the remission of penalties in the case of parricide apply equally to every other remission whenever any sufferer of his own accord remits the guilt of homicide to another and declares his act to have been involuntary let the perpetrator of the deed undergo a purification and remain in exile for a year according to law end of part one of book nine recording in memory of mitchell edwards